The following is a hoop ball presentation. Ladies and gentlemen of the Hoop Ball Lakers family, we are off and rolling into the season that, believe it or not, is less than a month old. That's right. December 22nd is when this season started, and given all that's been happening in the world, doesn't that seem like it was months ago? We are two weeks into the new year, and your defending champion Los Angeles Lakers sit atop the entire league with the best record at 10-3, and 7-0 on the road for a franchise record. We'll go over the entire landscape of the playoff picture, but the Lake Show is sitting comfortably ahead of everyone, so don't you worry there. Now, last time I was on the show, I was bemoaning the fact that, despite the strong start and the win-loss column, the Lakers had an annoying habit of sleepwalking in the first half. The third game versus the Spurs in just over a week was a very predictable loss, and the Lakers had kind of seemed uninterested in this early point in the season. And it's, and it's understandable. You know, given the short layoff in between seasons, LeBron kind of pacing himself for the playoffs as he tends to do, it's a little bit understandable that the Lakers would kind of play that way in this first half. So seeing them sit atop the league with the best record in the first team to 10 wins, really comforting sight. But the Lakers would try to, you know, would sleepwalk in the first half, and they were able to turn it on, try to come back in the late third and fourth quarters, and they'd mostly been successful, but that was bound to come to a head at one point. And that Spurs loss was just embarrassing enough to compel Anthony Davis to call out the team in a in a post conference, in a post game press conference. And ever since then, according to LeBron James, the Lakers have been quote unquote locked in on defense, and the proof is in the pudding. Ever since that Spurs loss, the Lakers have gone 4-0 outscoring the Bulls, Rockets twice, and the Thunder to the tune of 16.5 points per game. That is true domination right there. The best of the streak being the absolute domination and perhaps ultimate destroying of the Houston Rockets, but more on that later. The notable thing about that Rocket series was that it marked the return of KCP off of an ankle injury. KCP, for all the highlights that he provided in the Orlando bubble, for all of the three-point shots that he's made in pretty clutch situations, for everything that he's done that shows up on the stats page, his true contribution is really in how great of a defensive player he is. And him coming back to the lineup, it switched the Lakers from an offensively driven starting unit with KCP starting and doing a pretty admirable job starting in place of him. I'm sorry, with Kyle Kuzma starting in place of KCP and doing a pretty admirable job of it. Uh, it switched the Lakers back to a defensive team, and these two Rockets wins are what Anthony Davis even called, or sorry, Frank Vogel, called uh, identity wins. Ethan and I have talked about wanting to see this team establish their defensive identity, and it's finally starting to, to show. And it's showing in a lot of the ways that I've kind of predicted. I predicted that, being very familiar with LeBron James and his entire career, that this team would play a lot like the Miami Heat did in the Big Three era, era when LeBron was in Miami. 
This is a team that is kind of undersized at times. Marcus is there, but he's definitely not the Marcus of old, and he's not really a rim protector. But he anchors the mindset of the defense. But this team, especially especially KCP, this team plays passing lanes. They get deflections. They they do get blocks on occasion, and you know Anthony Davis has had five blocks in a couple of games so far already this season, and so they're getting some rim protection. They're not getting as much as they used to, but the most successful part of their defense is how this team gets steals. Looking at these four games, starting with the Bulls, you've got 10 steals, 13 steals, 10 steals, 6 steals, six steals against the Thunder. This team displays passing lanes, and they play fast, and they, you know, they outlet rebounds long to half court. This is a team that just runs up and down, and when it seems like when they want to, they can just ram it down your throat. We just haven't seen enough of that this season, and the fact that we're finally starting to see it now a little bit earlier than we thought, it's a pretty comforting sign. But let's take a look, closer look at how some of these some of the Lakers players are doing individually during the stretch. Now, we tend not to lead with LeBron just because he is, you know, he's the best player in the league and he's kind of the the obvious lead in. But we'll go ahead and start with him just because I think he's one of the more intriguing pieces this early in the season, given how he joked that he wouldn't show up until February and. First couple games, he kind of seemed definitely a little bit uninterested, and people were curious how he was going to play after leading the league in assists last year with Dennis Schroeder. And seems as though Dennis Schroeder is doing a lot of the offensive ball handling and the running of the offense, and it's had a pretty interesting effect on LeBron's numbers. During this win streak, you know, he's putting up numbers that look Typical for him, 24.5 points per game, 7 rebounds. The assists last season, easily he was in double digits. Most every game. Led the, led the league in assists for the first time in his career. It was anticipated that his assists would drop this season. And they have dropped pretty significantly. Uh, he has only reached double digit assists so far three times this season. In this four-game winning streak, he's only averaging six and a half assists. Now, a couple of reasons for this, besides the obvious Dennis Schroeder. Now, these these have been blowout wins largely. Uh, LeBron, I believe, didn't play past the nine-minute mark of the fourth quarter against the Thunder last night. But yeah, Dennis Schroeder is having a largely positive effect on this whole team, and it's a, having a negative effect on LeBron's assist numbers. But it's not having a, a negative effect on his production overall. And in fact, LeBron is kind of sort of in playoff form early. The last couple of games, he's he's kind of unleashed that that baseline fadeaway that the Lakers' home announcer uh, affectionately calls the windshield wiper, where LeBron goes left, then he goes right, fades away fades away from the basket, unstoppable fadeaway. Uh, it's been on lately. It's one of those things that LeBron, you don't really see LeBron unleash this early in the season. And, yeah, he's been dominating with it in the last few games. The Lakers have kind of been doing a, lot, a couple of things that they don't really unveil towards the playoffs. I talked about how we didn't see enough 
pick and rolls with Anthony Davis last year, especially early in the regular season. And we're seeing a lot more of that just because Dennis Schroeder is so good at running a pick and roll. Um, and yeah, let's move on to Dennis Schroeder. So Dennis Schroeder during this four-game winning streak, uh, putting up some very admirable numbers, uh, averaging 13.3 points per game. And for a for a guy who who's kind of running the offense as much as he is, it's kind of refreshing to see him score as easily as he scores at times. Uh, he can drive, and he can, he's got a nice layup package over bigs, so he can seemingly score pretty much whenever he wants. And you know, 13.3 points is definitely a lot of points for a point guard, especially when Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to be primarily on the floor when you're on the floor. Uh, he's averaging 5.3 assists in that stretch, and that's kind of where those are obviously going to be some of LeBron's assists. But LeBron is able to kind of get some rest on the court while Dennis Schroeder is on there. He's not having to exert himself and be the playmaker the entire time. But here's what I really like from Dennis Schroeder. So for the season, Dennis Schroeder shooting 37% from three during the stretch. He's shooting 56% from three. He's really decisive when he does shoot. He doesn't shoot very many of them, but he shoots just enough to, to keep you honest, and which makes him such an effective driver. Uh, he's also averaging four rebounds and uh, one and a half steals, which is really nice. Him and KCP together have proved a really tough... Uh, backcourt to contend against now some shooting guards have had success against this team but they've had you know overall scoring success and somebody on the other team is going to have to score and so you know Zach Levine and Kobe White were able to keep that Bulls game uh, really close it was only a two-point win Uh, so this four-game winning streak is really mostly focused on the last three games because after that two-point victory then you got an 18 18 point 17 point and then last night a uh, 29 point victory so yeah focusing mostly on the last three games but yeah together KCP and Dennis Schroeder have proven to be a highly effective backcourt uh, maybe easy to score on but tough to run an effective offense against uh, because like I said these guys get tons of steals Anthony Davis during this stretch, he's the one who kind of got everything started. He's only played the last three games, didn't play that that Bulls game. It was only a two-point victory. Um, But, you know, Anthony Davis during this three-game stretch where he's played uh, 21.3 points, seven rebounds. But what's really great for him is he's kind of taken a step back from shooting as many threes as he was early in the season. And he's kind of refocused himself back on defense and averaging 2.7 blocks uh, here in uh, these last three games. And so it's nice to see the defensive player of the year focused Anthony Davis rather than the expanding his skill set, shooting a lot of threes, Anthony Davis. Now, I didn't mind it, but as close to what you can replicate what was working last year, I think is where this team is most effective. And... Yeah, Anthony Davis focusing on defense the way he has been, the way he did last year. It's definitely the more it's definitely the most efficient way and effective way for this team to play, and that's been evident the last few games. Now we're not going to go through everyone's box score during this uh, this four game winning streak. Uh, just kind of some of the more notable numbers, and we can shift back to 
one of our more popular and favorite subjects. It's a near constant talking point, and of course it's Kyle Kuzma. Uh, but only because he actually does have an interesting angle for this episode. We talked about how you know KCP was doing when how Kyle Kuzma was doing when KCP was injured. And since KCP has come back, uh, it has had a negative effect on Kyle Kuzma's stat line overall. However, he's been showing really good decision making. And he's been doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily going to show up on the stat line. He's getting a lot of hockey assists, which is basically he makes the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the score. But, yeah, over these last three games, to look at his stat line, you're going to think that he's not doing his job. He's got a six-point game and a seven-point game in there, but he's also, he's also got a 13 and an 11. Uh, and that 11-point that game also accompanied 11 rebounds. Now, yeah, these numbers don't blow you away. And the way in which Kyle Kuzma has discussed, the way in which he kind of carries himself, you would expect him to be a much more effective superstar. But, you know, we've talked time and time again, and, and I, I've i quoted, I forget who it was that said the quote, but basically once a player shows you who he is in year three, that's basically who he's going to be throughout his entire career. And here we are in year four. Kyle's got an extension. I've kind of talked about a player comparison. You know, Kuzma could be, you know, he could go to Sacramento and be an all-star. He could go to the Knicks and put up all-star numbers. Is it going to make him happy? Remains to be seen. He seems really happy in Los Angeles. He seems happy being a Los Angeles Laker. But his role on this team probably isn't going to lead him to be an all-star. I think people are always going to look at him and kind of be disappointed with his output. But I've been pleasantly surprised with Kyle Kuzma in, in his production this year. I think he's proved really effective. He plays really, really well with that second unit. Um, and I've kind of compared him to another former Laker. Now, this former Laker was an all-star while he was a Laker. And so maybe that's a little bit of an unfair comparison. Um, but, you know, to compare the first four years of their careers, pretty similar. You know, I've, you know, I've always said that, you know, Kyle Kuzma can be an all-star by himself the way Zach Levine is in Chicago. Uh, or he could be like Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones is one of my favorite players of all time. You know, and he's a favorite of amongst a lot of Lakers fans. So to compare the two of them during the first four years of their career, both averaged 15 points per game. Eddie Jones, 15.4. Kyle Kuzma, 15.7. It's a little inflated because of Kyle Kuzma's first and second years in which, you know, LeBron wasn't there for a large part of the time. Um, but they, you know, Kyle Kuzma averages more rebounds. Eddie Jones averages more assists. He also averaged two steals. Um, you know, I think given time, and Kyle Kuzman can solidify himself into a more defensive-focused role, this is kind of who he can be, you know? You can be Eddie Jones who can rebound. That's going to get you a lot of years in this league. That's going to get you a lot of minutes with this team. You know, in the right year, 
it could get you an all-star selection. It's not going to get you year after year all-star selections like LeBron or AD. You're never going to be that. But you can be a star. And, you know, like I've said before, whether or not this kind of reduced role in the end makes Kyle Kuzma happy remains to be seen. But I've been pleased with what I've seen so far this season. And maybe not everyone has been. One of the things that has been interesting about this Lakers team is how they're going to handle their rotations. We know that Marcus Gasol starts the game and then largely isn't seen, you know, throughout the rest of the game. Plays a little bit in the second half. Don't see him a lot in the fourth quarter. And, you know, who was this Lakers team going to put out there to close out games? And some people speculate that a couple of days ago, uh, the Lakers' death lineup, defensive death lineup might have been revealed and it's a really good one of course you got lebron james and anthony davis in there to focus on the offense um but you've also got kcp no surprise there you've got our guy alex caruso who incidentally um was a really good three-point shooter you know two seasons ago last season a very disappointing three-point shooter and given the way this offense rolls uh, he needs to hit his three-point shots, and pleasantly, uh, so far this season, he's shooting, his, he's hitting his three-point shots because he doesn't have very, he doesn't shoot very many of them at over a fifty percent clip, which is fantastic. Uh, in this death lineup, where offense is going to be centered around Anthony Davis and LeBron James, to have KCP on one wing and Alex Caruso on the other, if they're both going to shoot new, damn near forty percent from three, that's amazing. And the fifth player is kind of a mystery, not a mystery, the fifth player is kind of a surprising choice given how young he is, given that you've got guys like Trez and Markeith and Kyle Kuzma, who's more seasoned, you know, has more seasoned experience with this team. But that fifth player in the defensive death lineup is THT, 20-year-old THT with the long arms. He's proven to be a highly effective one-on-one defender with those long arms. Plays the passing lanes like you'll hear me here. You'll hear me say ad nauseum throughout this entire season. Passing lanes, passing lanes, passing lanes. THT plays them. Uh, he also runs the offense pretty effectively, allowing LeBron to kind of rest on the offensive floor. He's also a good spot up shooter, uh, mid range. Uh, he leaves a little bit to be desired shooting three point shots, but he's a decent catch and shoot shooter there. Three point shots, he's only shooting 28%, but there's room for that to climb. Um, but THT is really more of a guy whose numbers you want to look at per 36 because he's only playing about 18 minutes per game. And so his per 36 numbers are amazing. Uh, and he really kind of reflective of, of his numbers last season. And so, but even more, more impressive. So per 36 this season, you know, he's a 16 point a game player. Averages 4.7 assists, two steals and a block. Per 36, uh, 5.4 rebounds. So you got to figure on the nights where THD could end up playing 30, 35 minutes, if he's going to give you 16, one block, two steals, get you five rebounds, get you four assists, that's going to give LeBron a ton of rest on the floor. Um, it's going to give you a ton of stats that the other team probably didn't scout for. You know, Trevor Lane over at Laker Nation posted a YouTube video uh, about other teams are salivating over this kid, trying to offer up all kinds of trade packages. Now, he's someone that 
the Lakers I really hope hold on to. And I think when, you know, there may end up being a time where everything comes to a head and you kind of have to trade for a better fit. And that kind of brings us back to our guy, Kyle Kuzma. As I've said before, as talented as Kyle Kuzma is, there may end up being a situation in which, you know, fit trumps talent. And, yeah, it's there's no doubt in my mind, and, you know, speak less and less of it with THT, that he has solidified a fit in this team much faster than Kyle Kuzma did. And so the way that this team does kind of lack rim protection at times, it may end up being advantageous uh, if we could flip Kyle Kuzma into a piece that offers a little bit more rim protection. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, but in this death lineup, yeah, THT has proven to be a valuable point and, you know, valuable position. And he's not just given minutes. He's definitely earned them. He's way improved. Yeah, he's he's a force to be reckoned with on defense. And, yeah, the players really love him. And the fact that Frank Vogel is willing to put him in the defensive death lineup, if that's indeed what it is, it was a highly effective unit. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect to see really great things at a THC this year. So we mentioned we'd expand more upon the destroying of the Houston Rockets comment earlier. Um yeah, the Lakers dominated the two games versus the Houston Rockets. They, The Rockets looked like a team that obviously lacked chemistry, didn't like playing with each other. Nobody really seemed to be enjoying themselves out there. DeMarcus Cousins got himself ejected from the first game, uh, got a tech in the second game, just did not seem like he was having a good time out there. And, you know, for everything that the Houston Rockets have been in competition to the, to the Los Angeles Lakers, you could argue that these two games kind of broke the Houston Rockets because it's it's what triggered James Harden to finally come out and say, you know, this team isn't good enough. I don't want to be a part of it. And so much so the Houston Rockets were like, fine, you can stay home until we figure out a way to trade you. And DeMarcus Cousins even talked about the disrespect that James Harden has laid upon his teammates' feet you know, DeMarcus Cousins said, we've all came, been here since training camp. We've all been working, and, you know, James Harden's been doing his own thing. John Wall appears to be playing really well this season, appears to have almost no ill effects from that torn Achilles that uh, he suffered a couple of years ago, and so it's nice to see him back. And, yeah, yesterday the Houston Rockets finally were able to trade James Harden, and not only did they get rid of that albatross of a contract in which a 36-year-old James Harden is going to be getting paid $50 million a year. James Harden showed up this season overweight and out of shape, by the way. So so good luck with that when he's 36. Uh, yeah, the Houston Rockets uh, traded, and not only did they, did they do that, they did that while sending James Harden to where he wanted to go. You know, James Harden had almost no no leverage in dictating where he would go in a trade, but he wanted to go to Brooklyn. He wanted to play with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and the Rockets granted that request. They traded him to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, initially, the news came out that they had traded him for Karis LeVert, which would have been a really interesting addition, 
but then the Rockets went and tr went and turned that Karis LeVert piece into Victor Oladipo with an expiring contract. So the Houston Rockets turned that albatross of the contract, that untradeable, really bad contract. They turned it into expiring money in Oladipo, who's going to contribute really greatly for this Rockets team. And I think he's going to play really well with John Wall. They turned it into expiring money in Oladipo. And they got turned it into eight draft picks. Eight draft picks. Most of those first rounds, damn near all of them unprotected. Eight draft picks. Uh, this the this four team ended up being a four team deal. Also sent uh, Dante Dante Exum to Houston. Sent Jared Allen to Cleveland. Um, I forget some of the other pieces, uh, but the main pieces were Indiana gets Karis LeVert, Houston gets Oladipo, Exum, Brooklyn gets James Harden, and uh, Cleveland Cleveland also got Tarion Prince and, uh, and, and Jared Allen. And so my initial thoughts weren't surprised because of the way James Harden bitched and moaned and finally got his way it's it's not that surprising that an nba player superstar gets his way when he wants to trade that that happens i was surprised to see that houston made a really good deal and when i saw that jared allen was traded to cleveland now they've got three centers with jared allen andre drummond and our guy from last year javel mcgee now my initial thought was uh, Cleveland was going to have to waive someone to make room for room for Jared Allen on the roster, and you definitely don't need three centers in today's NBA game. Uh, it was my hope that they would waive JaVale McGee, and the Lakers could kind of bring JaVale back. Uh, but they waived Thon Maker, and uh, also Yogi Ferrell. But, uh, <clears throat> and Thon Maker is not going to be much of a room protector that will help anyone. Um, so... There Cleveland is with three centers on their roster. Um, perhaps there might be a trade coming down the line. We're still two months away from the trading deadline, by the way. So this wasn't like a, a deal that got done before the typical trading deadline in February. The trading deadline this year is like in April, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, what does this mean for the Lakers overall? So let's talk about um, the Houston Rockets. It was my belief that, first of all, I didn't see the Rockets getting John Wall. And so it was going to be my belief that the Rockets would trade James Harden away and left in Houston was going to be whoever they got for James Harden, which was not going to be an even trade, and Russell Westbrook. And so I didn't think the Rockets were going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they ended up getting John Wall, and now they've traded Harden for, again, a, a saying that you're going to hear me say a lot, uh, a better fit. You know, obviously Victor Oladipo is not the talent that James Harden is, um, but Oladipo is going to be a much better fit. And so it's kind of addition by subtraction there. Um, yeah, it definitely makes the Rockets competitive. They're going to be a top four seed in the West. They're going to be really hard to contend with. 
you know, you figure John Wall, you know, figure John Wall, Oladipo, Christian Wood has been playing really great. Um, that's actually a pretty tough matchup with the Lakers. Um, because, you know, you got to figure, you know, someone's going to guard John Wall and Oladipo. And then you don't really have anybody who can guard Christian Wood in the starting lineup unless Anthony Davis would play on him. Yeah, it, it, it makes the Rockets tough. And, you know, but there's still overall, can you beat the Lakers in a seven-game series? And I don't think this team can. So it makes them more competitive. It makes them, makes them a much better team. I don't think it overall means anything in terms of can they beat the Lakers. Now, a lot of people suspect that, a lot of people suspected that the Nets might win the East before this trade. Now that the Nets have made this trade and they've got James Harden and they've got Kevin Durant and they've got Kyrie Irving, they're the favorites to win the East. And they probably will. Uh, Steve Nash has actually proven to be a pretty good coach, despite having no experience being a coach. But again, this Brooklyn team has almost no depth. Jared Allen was kind of the one piece that sort of solidified the defense, and now he's gone. And so you've got DeAndre Jordan there. And DeAndre Jordan is not the defensive presence that Jared Allen is. Jared Allen is still 22 years old, by the way. So, yeah, this makes for an intriguing matchup. Certainly, you know, a lot of star for star power. And Brooklyn does have a big three, whereas the Lakers only have a big two. But depth is going to come into question, and I think this would be a really easy series for the Lakers versus the Nets if they play, if they met them in the finals. So, yeah, I think the toughest the, the toughest competition for the Lakers still remains. I think the Clippers. Rockets are now tough, um, but it's still early in the season. Like, really, all we've seen out of the Lakers so far this season is just straight up domination. Ten and three, best record in the league. No one's really stood up to them yet. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting trade. It's a trade that I think all four teams are happy with. Um, Karis LeVert is going to do really well in Indiana. He's proven to be a highly effective scorer when he's kind of the main focus. Whenever Kyrie or, or KD weren't there, he's he did great things for Brooklyn. And so I think Harris Lifford's going to be really good in, in Indiana. I think he's going to play really well with Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. Um, they'll be a six seed <laughs> despite that. All of which leads me to... Well, it's hard to do a preview of the next game. Uh, currently, COVID is kind of going through the league as kind of some expected it would. Um, you know, some players have been sitting out. Games have been postponed. The next Lakers game, as of this recording, is going to be versus the Pelicans on Friday the 15th. Zion Williamson sat out the last game due to contact tracing. It was just contact tracing. He didn't test positive or anything like that but it remains to be seen whether or not Zion will play. And yeah, currently COVID is affecting a lot of lineups. Um, you're seeing, um, you know, the Pelicans last game had a guy named Nikhil Alexander Walker, who I'd never heard of, um, went off at 37 points <laughs> last night. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's hard to say what you can expect to see out of that game versus the Pelicans, whether or not Zion will play. Brandon Egram will probably play a lot of minutes, and he'll be really effective as he has been against the Lakers, uh, you know, so far as in his Pelicans career. But yeah, a preview is really hard to do, given how COVID is affecting the league right now, and they've instituted a bunch of new new rules and regulations. Some of the players don't agree with them. They, you know, they claim that they're living in a bubble, just not in Orlando anymore. It's it, it's hard right now. And I think, you know, it definitely needs to be time before things get get better regarding COVID. And hopefully the league will be vaccinated soon and we can be past this. And, yeah, that's really all I could say about that. But, yeah, let's take a look at the rest of the league and the playoff standings, which is the thing I like to do when I do these solo pods. So, playoff picture. Never too early to start talking about playoffs. And, yeah, as I mentioned, the Lakers sit atop the league with the best record at 10-3. and three. You've got your Los Angeles Clippers at 8-4 and four with that two seed. Clippers, I think, are playing a little bit better than I... Th- no, I mean, we, we thought they would be between a one or a three seed this season. And so that seems to be pretty much where we're at. Um... At 7-4, and four, you've got three teams tied for that in Utah, Portland, and Phoenix. Phoenix playing surprisingly well. Um, you know, we thought they'd be... We thought they'd definitely compete for that playoff spot. Didn't think they'd be quite up there with the Portlands and the Utahs. Dallas has been kind of an off, off to an auspicious start. Luka didn't have a very great start to the season. They finally have Kristaps back. He played last night, got 16 points in limited minutes. And so, you know, maybe Dallas will start to get things together. At 6-5, and five, you've got the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs. It remains to be seen how effective Golden State is really truly going to be. They got demolished the first few games of the season. Uh, they're finally starting to play a little bit better. But, yeah, the defensively... Warriors just ain't it. Um, Spurs are playing a lot better than people thought they would at six and five. Uh, Demar Derozan's been playing really well. I will say this until I until I voice it into existence. Demar is going to be a really fine Laker next year. <laughs> He's a free agent. Uh, I really believe that. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge is finally back and they're playing well. Uh, OKC. It's probably about where we thought they'd be in that nine seed, kind of competing for that eight seed. Really surprising, most surprising team in the West in terms of disappointment, Denver. Denver is five and six. The loss of Jeremy Grant really seems to be hurting them right now. Jermichael Green probably isn't having the impact that they thought he would from the Clippers. Yeah, it's hard to say why Denver isn't succeeding. Jokic is having a really great season. Um, Why Denver is struggling, I don't really know. I haven't really seen any of their games to kind of really tell you what's going on with Denver. I just know that Jokic has been playing really well. Jamal Murray hasn't been quite the superstar that we thought he'd be in the, you know, that we saw in the bubble. Um, What I thought would be the worst team in the league, Sacramento, is a little surprising at five and seven. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is playing really well. Uh, he's playing really well with Halliburton. Uh, 
Bagley's playing pretty well despite, you know, chemistry issues and trade demands from his parents. Uh, Sacramento's doing well. Um, kudos to Luke Wom. Um, New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, we didn't think they'd compete for a playoff spot this year. They're four and six. They are kind of a boring team to watch. They have one of the lower paces in the league. They're not a very good defensive team, and they're not a very good offensive team. So that's a recipe for disaster. Um, Houston is three and six, and but it's early, and it's there's plenty of time for them to catch up and make the playoffs. They've only got about you know they've only got about three games to make up if they want to compete for a playoff spot, which they won't. And Minnesota at three and eight. Yeah, I don't see a lot happening out of Minnesota this year, unfortunately. <clears throat> um, yeah, in the East, sitting atop, you've got Boston, which is kind of a surprise. Philly at two, Milwaukee at three, which is kind of a surprise. Indiana at four, Orlando playing really well at five. That six and five, um, Brooklyn with that six seed. Um, yeah. Brooklyn has been hit by, you know, COVID and things like that. And so that's, that explains some of those losses. Charlotte, really surprising, playing really well. LaMelo Ball starting to come on. I didn't think, I didn't think the kid had it in him. I thought he was really, this is all based on what I've seen in that stupid TV show. But I thought LaMelo Ball was really immature. I didn't think he was very smart. Um, there's a video of him thinking Philadelphia was a state not a city. I just didn't think, I didn't think he had the maturity in him to really excel in this league. Not for a while, at least. Um, but just like his brother, he's, he's, he broke his brother's record. He's the youngest in player in NBA history to record a triple double. He almost did it against his brother. He was one assist short and then ended up doing the next night. Anyway, uh, LaMelo Ball is playing really well. He gets steals. He gets rebounds, which rebounding is all about effort. So I'm not surprised to see that. Uh, yeah, LaMelo Ball is fun to watch. And he this Charlotte team is actually really fun to watch. They run a really great offense. Gordon Hayward's having a career year. Um, you know, Charlotte may end up not making the playoffs, so they might end up an 8 or a 7 seed, but they're really fun to watch. Um, you're defending Eastern Conference champions Miami at 4-5. and five. Haven't seen a lot of inter anything interesting under that team. Avery Bradley hasn't quite had the impact he was going to have. The loss of Jay Crowder, I think, really hurts the Miami Heat. Uh, Cleveland, another fun team. They play with a lot of effort. They're not going to make the playoffs, uh, but they're going to be maybe the most fun team to not make the playoffs. They're a really good defensive team. Uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are tons of fun to watch. Isaac Okoro plays with a lot of effort. Um, Kevin Love hasn't, I believe, hasn't made his season debut yet. Um, probably look for a trade out there. I don't really know what's wrong with him or what his injury is. But Cleveland does have too many big men now. And Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Jared Allen, our guy JaVale, they're going to have to let go of one of them at some point. And so they're going to be a team to pay attention to at the trading deadline. Uh, the Knicks and the Knicks at five and seven. The Bulls at four and seven. Washington three and eight. That's pretty much going to be Washington's uh, legacy. There's to sit at, sit at the bottom of the East. Toronto at two and eight. Really surprising. Um, they're playing in Tampa this year because 
country of Canada didn't want American players coming in and out of the country as ravaged as this country is with COVID and what's happening in the last week or so definitely makes sense. But the Tampa move does seem to be having some negative effects on the Toronto Raptors and finally the Detroit Pistons. Detroit's going to be a worse team in the league. Uh, they made a lot of questionable free agent moves. Don't really know what they were doing. Um, yeah, they're going to be the worst team in the league. They're probably going to trade Derrick Rose and or Blake Griffin. And so be on the lookout for them to be on the move. Possible buyouts. We'll see. But, yeah, it's going to wrap up this solo episode of Hoopball Lakers. You can follow me on Twitter at jcdeleon one You can follow Ethan on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. That's Noroff with the one F. Follow the show at Hoopball Lakers. Follow all of Hoopball Gaming um, at Hoopball Gaming. Follow Hoopball Tweets. Follow Dan Bespris. Follow everyone from Hoopball that you can. There's a lot of really great hoop ball shows. Um, definitely give us all a follow, and we're your number one source for any and all basketball information. And if you sign up with a subscription to hoop ball, you can also get access to our Discord, which every team has their own Discord channel. Dan is a constant presence in that Discord channel, giving you gambling advice, fantasy advice. It's a really great community and really interactive, and definitely a fun thing to be a part of. So. Join Hoopball, join our Discord, and until next time, we are out. This has been a Hoopball presentation.